Welcome to Take Up and Read, a bite-sized Bible study podcast on the Sunday Catholic Mass readings. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. This Sunday is the 30th Sunday of Ordinary Time in Year C. Our first reading is Sirach 35, verses 12 through 14 and 16 through 18, which teaches that God hears all prayers, not showing favoritism to any self-appointed elite. While the Lord is not unduly partial toward the weak, the prayer of the lowly pierces the clouds, and the one who serves God willingly is heard. This reading has obvious resonance with Jesus' parable in this Sunday's Gospel. The book of Sirach itself was written in Hebrew by Jesus ben Sirach, or Jesus son of Sirach, sometime in the early 2nd century BC, and later translated into Greek. Sirach is one of the so-called deuterocanonical books rejected by Protestants, but included in Catholic and Orthodox Bibles. Sirach is largely a synthesis of Old Testament law and moral teaching communicated in the form of Proverbs, which were intended to promote Jewish tradition of wisdom during a period of Hellenization in the Near East after the conquests of Alexander the Great. Our psalm this Sunday is Psalm 34, composed by King David at his escaping the Philistine king Achish. This psalm is an acrostic, with each line beginning with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. In this part of the psalm, David extols God for his deliverance of the righteous and punishment of the wicked. The psalm fits well with our first reading in Gospel because of its confidence that the Lord answers prayers and remains close to those most in need of his help. This Sunday's second reading is 2 Timothy verses, or chapter 4, verses 6-8 through 8 and 16-18. through 18 our last reading from this letter in the Sunday lectionary cycle. As we've noted in previous weeks, Paul is writing to Timothy while imprisoned in Rome, where he will soon be martyred. Paul's words at the beginning of this passage indicate that he is aware that this is the end. To be poured out like a libation is a reference to the wine offerings made in the Jerusalem temple. Paul's blood, like that of Abel and Jesus, will fall to the ground as an offering to the Lord. The crown of righteousness refers to the laurel wreaths received by victorious ancient athletes and commonly used in the New Testament to symbolize our heavenly reward. Not disheartened by the desertion of friends at his hearing, Paul boldly proclaimed the gospel even while on trial, in imitation of our abandoned Lord. At some point, Paul may have come face to face with the Emperor Nero himself. His forgiveness is reminiscent of Jesus' from the cross, as well as St. Stephen's, while he was stoned to death, while the still unconverted Paul stood close by. Paul knows that he was rescued from the lion's mouth, but he uses it only as a turn of phrase. As a Roman citizen, he would not have been ordinarily subject to death in the arena, but by a more formal execution. Paul is commonly depicted in Christian art bearing a sword because of the tradition that he was beheaded during the persecution of Nero, circa AD 67. I also want to note that verse 7 of this passage is rather well known in a more literal rendition. I have fought the good fight, here translated as I have competed well. In finishing the race, Paul has kept the faith, completing his mission to the Gentiles. See Acts 9 verse 15. Paul is confident in our Lord's protection and salvation, just as he alone stood by Paul at his trial. As Jesus said to the Smyrnians at Revelation 2 verse 10, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Our gospel this Sunday is Luke 18, verses 9-14, through 14, 
which is one of Jesus' most confrontational parables, aimed directly at the Pharisees, who were convinced of their own righteousness and despised everyone else. This parable is only included in Luke's Gospel. The Pharisee in the parable prays with stunning arrogance, even comparing himself pridefully with another nearby pilgrim, the tax collector. Whether this reflected a conscious or subconscious attitude of many Pharisees, the point is made either way. It is important to remember here that Jesus, as God himself, has heard the prayers of the kind of Pharisees he rebukes by this parable. The Pharisees contrasted with the humble tax collector, adding insult to injury in the ears of the Pharisees listening to Jesus. Recall that Pharisees were highly respected for their religiosity among the people of Jesus' time. Tax collectors figure prominently in the Gospels as much the object of hatred among the Jewish people as a special target of Christ's ministry of conversion. Roman tax collectors were contracted to provide a certain amount of tax revenue from the population in whatever way they saw fit. Any excess was theirs to keep as a commission. Obviously, many unscrupulous men went into the profession in order to make an easy living, extorting hard-earned money of others. Moreover, tax collecting could require contact with Gentiles, rendering the tax collector ritually unclean from a Pharisee's perspective. That a tax collector of this, in this parable is more righteous than the Pharisee is a shocking turn. Regarding the Pharisee's boast that he observes a fast twice a week and tithes his whole income, it is worth observing some context. Pharisees and other faithful Jews fasted on Mondays and Thursdays and were scrupulous tithers. Pharisees were even known to tithe on produce they purchased just in case the farmer had not already done so. Jesus concludes with a maxim he has used before, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. See also Luke 14 verse 11. This is reminiscent of Mary's Magnificat at Luke chapter 1 verses 51 through 52. He has shown the strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of low degree. In the next chapter, the tax collector Zacchaeus will receive the mercy that the tax collector in this parable seeks. We will read that passage two Sundays from now. That's all we have time for today. Let's conclude with a collect from this Sunday's Mass. Almighty ever-living God, increase our faith, hope, and charity, and make us love what you command, so that we may merit what you promise. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn more and find resources, visit studycatholic.com. And please tell your friends about the show and leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. Thanks again, and God bless.